Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. There it is. The, the, yeah, there live. it is. As always, right? Never know until you see the, the red light up here says that we are live. So hello, folks, and welcome this afternoon to a little bit of a collaboration between the Rich Mind Podcast and the All In Mindset Podcast. Uh, we've kind of gotten together. We have similar interests. We have different backgrounds. So about a, it's maybe been about six weeks ago now. I kind of hit mm -hmm. the guys up and say, hey, why don't we just jump on, try out this going live thing and see if uh, we can't produce some decent content, not only for our individual podcast, but then obviously if you're here joining us live for you as well. So without further ado, like I said, this is the collaboration Rich Mind for in the All In Mindset with Greg Young and Justin Dorf. So guys, glad you joined us today. Let's see what we can come up with. Who knows, yeah. right? Yeah, we were all chatting right before we hit live that we're all shot because it's 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And Randy, you've been with grandkids. You don't even look old enough to be a grandfather. Like, how old yeah. are these grandkids? 14, 15? Yeah, five weeks. Yeah, five. He's, yeah, he's literally five weeks. So that oh, was, yeah. yeah. Okay, there you it's go. Been that a makes more, more sense. Very recent uh, thing that's happened for us. So we, uh, October 3rd. It uh, was when he was born. And so, nice. yeah, I was on grandpa duty all week, all week long. My wife and I basically watching him while everybody was at work. So, yeah, I'm a little fried as well. I just told you guys that before we hit <laughs> record. Uh, bear with me if this is terrible. I apologize in advance, but I definitely wanted to show up and give it the best I possibly could. So, no, it's yeah. going to be brilliant. So, Greg, you had mentioned um, an interesting topic this morning. Can you remind me again? Because if I try to, to summarize it, I'll butcher it. Yeah, so I think the topic that we were going to kind of, uh, you know, just talk about a little bit was, um, you know, how the system is not set up for success. And those systems, basically, the health system, you know, nutrition and, and all that, and then the financial system. So I feel like I'm kind of in the middle here, because I can kind of go to Justin with some health stuff, Randy with some financial stuff, and I know a little bit about both. So um, yeah, this is gonna be fun. And I don't know, where to start or how to tee this off, but um, it's going to be a fun conversation for sure. Yeah, we're all going to get canceled because we're going to we're going to diss the <laughs> systems here. That's right. But, <laughs> so I kind of like live in the world of you know the health and nutrition and kind of you know showing all of the dis or misinformation in that realm. So I'm actually, if you don't mind, Randy, more interested to if we could talk about the financial stuff first and foremost because selfishly personally so i know yes, nothing of course well you can ask me anything you you uh have questions about and i mean so i just based briefly share right a little bit about my story and how i even got involved in learning about that was into my mid-30s working my butt off for a retail chain here in indiana and got blindsided back in the last recession whatever you want to call it the great recession back in the day with they were closing my store which sped up my education process, which was kind of the reason or kind of how I, I put this post out there to go live today was that 
I wasn't educating myself on finances, right? How money mm-hmm. worked, how the banking system worked, how debt worked, how basic things that I consider basic today. Back then, I didn't know. So what I will say, Justin, is if I say something that you're not sure about, like if, if it's new concept, hit me back, right? Let me know. Because yeah. it's one of those things, as, as I've discussed and learned over the last 15 years, call it, you know, I've, I've probably almost started to take for granted some of the information that I've, I've been consuming for a long, long time. I personally dive deep into the macro economy as well. I mean, the world economy, uh, central banks, uh, yeah, international banking system, the euro dollar system, all of those things. I, I study all of that. I can't say that I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert in them, but I know them just well enough to be able to take that data and make decisions based on that information. So, so without further ado, as far as the, so basic stuff. So if people are, are like financial education, the things that I talk about and what I learned right off the bat, were just basic things like income statements, right. And having a personal income statement, one of the big things that, that I never did prior. So people will maybe track their expenses. Like they will track their, Obviously, if you have a job, you'll, you can track your, your income right through your job and track your expenses. But your assets versus, versus liabilities, understanding the difference between an asset versus a liability, because a, a banker or what is considered in what I would maybe even say in, in normal society. So, for example, your house, your personal residence and quote unquote normal society, that's considered an asset. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned through my education is that is that is most people's biggest liability. And Can you explain that a yeah. little bit more? What do you mean by it's the biggest liability? Cause now I'm scared. Cause I'm like, <laughs> that's my biggest so, asset. And it's my biggest life. What do you mean by liability? So the liability. So, so the, I fall back into the rich dad, poor dad. That's who basically where I got a, most of my education, especially when I was first getting started. The, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's, Kim McElroy's, all that kind of thing. I just want to put that out there first. But the basic understanding, an asset puts money into your pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's as simple as Robert puts it. And that makes sense. And a liability takes money out of your pocket. Meaning your personal residence, if you're paying for that out of your own pocket, that technically is a liability. Okay. For example, if you have a rental property, and that rental property is performing and it's not being paid by you, right? Right. It's being paid by your tenant or a business, right? If you have a business, it's so real estate is nothing more than a business. It just happens to be four walls and a roof right. and a tenant living inside. It's the same thing. But if it's being paid by the tenant, then it's an asset. Okay. The day that it goes vacant, well, <laughs> the day that it goes vacant and it's being paid out of your pocket, it flips instantly to a liability. Even if I'm living in it. Well, if it's, if you're being, if you're paying for it out of your pocket, correct. I got mm-hmm. you. But I could say, you know, I, I see both sides of this argument or whatever, if you want to call it an argument, um, totally see if it's argument, let's argue, come on, or, you know, let's discuss it. Let's discuss it. Um, Debate. yeah. So I, I totally it. get the asset versus liability, the Robert Kiyosaki, um, viewpoint, but that's not like the whole story, I guess. Cause um, you know, when people talk about real estate investing, especially like single family houses, you know, they talk about um, tax depreciation and all that kind of stuff, even for your own personal home, 
where it kind of gets a little gray where sometimes it's an asset and then other times it's a liability. Like you said, Randy, if somebody else is paying your mortgage, it's an asset. But the day they move out, it's a liability because you're on the hook for that mortgage. Um, but other good things that come with owning a personal residence is, you know, the, the tax uh, treatment. If you know you live in the house two out of the last five years, you can sell that house without paying any taxes on that, on that gain, if there was any gain. So um, you could, it could be a liability for a year or two, but then after maybe two years after that, um, you could take care of that or you could take advantage of that tax liability of not paying taxes when you sell that home. Maybe it goes up 200 grand and all of a sudden that's a huge asset, a huge win. So it kind of goes, in my opinion, it's like a pendulum. It goes like from asset to liability. And then like, if you're selling your home, boom, it's another asset because you have more money coming in that you don't pay taxes on. So um, yeah, like I said, it kind of goes back and forth and I see both sides of that pendulum. Um, just want to throw that out there that in my opinion, it's not one-sided. So that's where the, the taxes, right? So that's another piece of the financial education that I tried and I, and I self-taught, right? So a lot of books, a lot of podcasts, a lot of meeting with CPAs, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of things. Uh, so you have to learn the pros and the cons as far as the tax treatments when it comes to uh, business in general, right? But real estate is totally different, is treated somewhat even different than um, in other businesses. Uh, so yeah, so in technical terms, right? So trying to keep it as simple as possibly can, that's where that whole, if you could just think of it Money in, money out, or money in your pocket is an asset. Money out of your pocket is a liability, right? And it's no different with any other business. So, yeah. yeah. Any other questions okay. about something like that? No. Do you, you have you have more to expound upon there? There's all kinds the, of things, right? So that's where I don't want to. <laughs> no, I just want to answer any questions that you might have. I don't want to leave anything undone if, if that did or did not make any sense to you so far. No, so far that makes sense. Um, I guess my my burning question then is like bringing it back to the topic at hand, how the system and formal education doesn't set us up for these things. Do you, so the first pop, a question that just popped into my head, do you think the people who do know this, not including myself because I'm learning right now, they do know this because like you, they self-taught themselves after school. So this is my, this is an opinion. And I would love to get your guys' opinion, right? But my opinion is if you were not exposed to these things, whether it be family, self, you know, close relatives, something like that, right? Which I was not. I didn't have family members on either side of my family that talk like we're talking today, like yeah. that do what we do. So I was I was 100% self-taught. There, are, I believe that there are other people, though, that if you're brought up in an entrepreneurial family, discussions like this are probably happening all the time. That's where I was telling you from the very beginning. Some of these concepts to myself are starting to become in my mind basic. And that's where it's always great to go back and kind of resharpen kind of the ideas and concepts that I've always been trying to, to work on. Uh, but the, in my opinion, the self-education, as Jim Rohn says, is what's going to make you a fortune. And so that's kind of where starting this process of realizing that once you leave school, once you get out into the real world, if you're not equipped with the right information right right probably wasn't isn't the right isn't the correct word different information mm -hmm. right to, to have the, the argument within your own mind right to make it the decision whether or not because like greg said there are 
there are different ways to look at everything. Yeah. Right. So it's just a matter of if you're not given the information to make those decisions as you move out into the real world, I think that's where a lot of folks will struggle as I did. Right. I, I was doing the grind, the working, contributing to the 401k, trying to pay down my mortgage as fast as I could. Two cars, three kids, just living the dream, swimming yeah. in debt that I couldn't yeah. pay for. <laughs> right. And it took it took that wake up call and it took it uh, educated by myself to then uh, step into more of an entrepreneurial thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it branches off into business. And you can just basically build out a lifestyle surrounded with these different processes and systems and thought processes. And life is completely different. And so that's where, you know, people will point fingers at certain statuses or whatever. And it's just because they understand things that are different, Um, like leverage. Yeah. Leverage is probably the number one secret of the rich, period. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to use it, it can be absolutely a negative. Right. So just like a scalpel with a with a doctor or any type of instrument. Right. If it's yeah. a chainsaw or whatever you want to say. But the, the idea Surgeon is urgent with a chainsaw. If it's not being <laughs> used properly, it can create some havoc. But if you're using it properly, you can move forward relatively quickly. And that's that's been my experience. OK, so then how do you use your house? properly when you're living in it how do you turn it from a liability into an asset does that question make sense yep i do so everybody come live with me i'll charge you <laughs> half the mortgage and rent so you can't do that right you can rent <laughs> yeah. out rooms or uh so i'm not so let's just say this right up front too i'm not a legal consultant i'm yeah. not a tax advisor i'm not any of these things right you're not I a am, surgeon with a chainsaw either no not at all <laughs> i'm 100 just speaking from personal experience so anything that you hear on this uh live stream or anything else on the podcasts for mine anyways seek proper advice from qualified folks yes to answer your question you can do those things, right? You can rent out your own space. Um, once you cross over into being uh, into the entrepreneurial world and start running a business out of your house, mm. portions of your house, you then be able to take tax, tax deductions on that as well, right? Home office deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're starting to do business from your home, travel, literally from the, your front door. Utilities. Every, to everywhere. Um, trips trips that you take, obviously you have, you've got to meet certain requirements, which once again, speak with the CPA and the tax advisor to find out what those requirements are, but you then be able to get deductions from that as well. So as far as your home and turning it into an asset, I can give you just an example of what I did. I currently rent and I know, I think you are too, just if I'm not mistaken, you're kind of like the nomad as far as like your renting time. Yeah, we do Airbnbs monthly. Yeah. So basically you're renting as well, but I currently rent. I just sold, actually sold my personal residence this last year. And the strategy I use once I learned the ideas and the concepts that we're talking about today was that I had about a hundred thousand dollars in equity in my house because I was aggressively paying it down and all that mm-hmm. garbage that I shouldn't say garbage. That's probably a little <laughs> harsh, but all that stuff <laughs> that's being taught, right? And because that's what I was taught. That's what my parents taught me to do. That's what they did. I mean, I remember my dad paying double, triple payments just to get the freaking mortgage paid. And that's why I was mm-hmm. trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, but what I realized is that was not necessarily 
the best way to get ahead. So what I did is I had $100,000 in equity. I went down to the my local bank. I'd been banking with them for a decade or more. And I took a home equity line of credit. So I got it a credit established. So they used the, the $100,000 or $100, in equity as, as collateral, right? Mm-hmm. They gave me a credit line of $50,000. Mm-hmm. I took that. This is prior to this run-up in real estate. I should probably caveat that as yeah. well. So this was back in 15, 16, 17. So this was back when prices and all that was still where numbers still made sense. Yeah, reasonable. Um, yeah, so I'm not advocating doing this today because this is not the right time to do this strategy, in my opinion. You could probably still make it work, but it would definitely be a lot more difficult. But anyways, I took the 50000 and I borrowed that 50000 to buy single-family properties. Actually, I bought mine in Memphis, Tennessee. So I had um, single-family properties with very little money out of my own pocket, Okay. When then I went to, and then I sold my, so I did that over about, I think it was about a four to five years time span, right? I would, cause you don't buy them all at one time. You buy one, right? Get it yeah. settled, right? And then at six, 12 months later or whatever, you buy another one. So it took me about four or five years and I got those accumulated with this 50,000. So I was maxed out on my home equity line of credit, but I was, I had assets, right? So the assets were paying for that debt. What I ended up doing is I knew that this last run-up in real estate was happening. Once again, I pay attention to everything that's going on in the macro economy. And I was probably early, but I knew it was coming. I I was confident it was coming probably back in 21, mm-hmm. right after COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning it was it, the writing was writing was on the wall, in my opinion. So it was, you put some puzzle pieces together. And so the idea was is that I was going to sell my personal residence at the top. I pretty much did. Yeah. So that worked. So anyways, what happened was is so that my strategy was is I sold the house. I had the lump sum equity in my house because I mm-hmm. was still building up some of that equity as well. Paid back the home equity line of credit. Mm-hmm. Still had some money left over. And so literally I, the houses that I still own today, I don't have any money out of pocket. They're completely an infinite return. Nice. So there's yeah. people living in them and in, in you. Nice. Yeah. So I don't own. So yes, I rent. And I'm so basically I'm renting somebody else's property to live in. Yeah. And the properties that I own, so we can talk about good debt, bad debt. Maybe that's mm-hmm. another another topic we can talk into. But all the debt that I own is being paid by other people. Right. Good debt. Good good debt. debt. Yeah. So that what big picture 10, 15 years from now, it's all just passive income. So it still is passive income now. I don't it, well, not all of it. And maybe that was probably what you were meaning. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I probably cash flow about $300 a uh, property at this point. Yeah. So yeah, obviously as those, um, as the debts are paid, right? Increase, yeah. increases some, some equity. Obviously the debt will be paid down gradually, whether I keep them long-term or not. We're actually having, I'm, so my wife and I, are, that we're partners in this, right? So we're having discussions about it all the time. When's the, you know, cause at some point it's going to be time to sell. Yeah. Right. So buy, buy low, sell high instead of buy high, sell low. Uh, so that's kind of the idea. I bought them low. So I actually did liquidate a few of them. Once again, out through this rental market, people were throwing money at me here. Yeah. Will you, how much do you want for your houses? How much do you want mm-hmm. for this property? I was getting emails and texts all the time. They'd send me a, a basically a, a, an address, my address of the property that I own. And it's like, Hey, how much you, how, what would you take for this? To the point where I just, I, I finally said, I threw out numbers and they were yes. like, okay. And I'm like, done. 
And they're like, all cash. And I'm like, yeah. great. So once again, that kind of triggers a tax event. So once again, you want to make sure you're speaking to your tax advisor when you're mm -hmm. going through that process. But yeah, so it's it's a matter of when that that big run was happening, what, maybe 12, maybe 18 months ago, I guess what it was. So that's all been basically put on hold and, and almost thrown in reverse, in my opinion. So it's just a matter of, of time before it does start going, in my opinion, back in the other direction. And when things start to come on back on sale, Greg and I talk about this every week, when things start to come back on sale, Bye, I man. hope to be in a position financially based on the movement moves that I've made, say, since 2017, mm -hmm. to be able to take advantage of this next, whatever the next is. I don't know if it's going to be businesses. I don't know if it's going to be real estate. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But we'll see. All right. So that's interesting then to me. Um, essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is your long-term goal is not to pay these off and then have the rental income coming in as just pure income. The long-term picture is just sell them when they're high and just so the do it again. Debt, so this is where this this took me a while. Greg, chime in anytime, man. I know you yeah. know this stuff as well. Okay? Mm -hmm. So don't hesitate. I don't want to hog this, this conversation. <laughs> So if you even if you disagree with me, Greg, please speak up there too, right? Because I know we've got similar, but you know we might have different views on it. But the idea to me, Justin, is that you're just moving capital from one asset to another, right? Yeah. So at some point, I need to take the capital that's in those houses that's only going to go so far. Meaning it's say say they're hundred thousand dollar houses. They're only I know we had this big run this last time. That is not normal, yeah, at all. Yeah. So typically it's only going to go up a little bit at a time. So if I can cash that in, let's say I get a hundred grand total in proceeds mm -hmm. and I can move that over to a, in a, let's say it's, so I'm just using hypothetical. I'm trying to think mm -hmm. through the process as we're speaking here. So let's say they're $200,000 houses. Let's say after I sell them both, I have a hundred thousand dollars cash. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to use round numbers here, but I take that hundred thousand dollars and I move it over to a $500,000 asset or a million dollar asset. I don't know what that means. So basically you take, you convert it, you move it from one asset to mm -hmm. another, but mm -hmm. you you increase it, right? So the debt is just as important. So once again, the good debt mm -hmm. is what you're trying to acquire is just as much as the asset itself. And I know that sometimes makes people's heads spin when I even mention that out loud. So if that does, <laughs> please speak up. But yes, you, so it's like I'm trying to accumulate as much good debt as I possibly can. And yeah. that's how, so folks, you know, if you think about the richest folks in the world is that they have their businesses, right? But I guarantee you they've, they've leveraged them, right? Used them as collateral to take out loans to then expand to, and as they expanded, they'll take use that collateral to take out more loans to Just expand. Yeah. And it, that's how they build their net worth. So what about <laughs> the financial advisors who <laughs> like those the the really popular ones out there that are totally opposed to any debt whatsoever? Are oh, they boy. just people on the other? Yeah, Greg says, oh boy, there's just people on the other spectrum. It's yeah. like, like in my world, it's vegans versus carnivores. Is it <laughs> debt versus no debt? That's a good comparison. Yeah. What say you, Greg? I, I've done enough talking here. What say you? I have an opinion. I'm curious about yours. Yeah. So, I mean, investing obviously is a, is a broad term. And then like you're, what you're talking about, Justin, is, you know, the Wall Street side of things, the financial advisors, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But 
you know, Randy and I were on, or yeah, we're on more of the real estate side, but you know, financial advisors, they can't, they don't get paid to sell real estate. So if, if you go to them and say, oh, I want to buy a piece of real estate, it's a great investment. They're probably going to talk you out of it because mm -hmm. they don't get a commission on the back end for selling real estate. They'd rather you, you know, buy stock where they get a small commission or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, not all financial advisors are like that. I just want to say that, but you know, broad strokes. Yeah. A lot of them operate that way because they want to put money in their pocket. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Randy, what you think about that? I'm not a huge Wall Street guy. I kind of grew up as a Wall Street guy in my family, but um, I was the black sheep as an entrepreneur and a real estate guy. So um, yeah, for what it's worth, I'll I'll display my complete ignorance here. To me, like the stock market and all that, it's always just seemed like a more refined version of gambling to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really is. I, oh, I totally okay, believe Oof, it. I'm not no, as really ignorant as I thought it was. Yep. So to me, and the word I like to use a lot is control. And I think that when you don't have control of your assets, so it's like, for example, we're talking about real estate. You can talk about businesses, right? Mm -hmm. I am more than 50% in control, close to 100% in control of all of my financial affairs. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're turning it over to others, whether it be financial institutions, 401ks, even IRAs, I don't like investing in things where I can't get access to the capital. Yeah. Now, if I can use it as collateral and I do you understand what collateral is, Justin, I don't. Yes. And it's, yep. it, okay, good. Okay. So collateral, if I can use that to as collateral to borrow against it, to go then buy some more assets yeah. to me, that's a little bit different, but at the same time, if I don't have control, the ability to, it's like these houses I'm talking about that I still own. I could literally sell them. I could get on the phone after we get off here today and probably have them sold in 30 days if mm -hmm. I chose. Whereas with investments in the stock market, I get it. They say you own a piece of the company. I mean, it's like what? I mean, it's so it's a piece of paper. <laughs> I agree. And you don't have, you don't know the CEO. You don't know how they're operating. You don't you know. No yeah. You really don't have much say unless you're an expert. Now I've had a gentleman, Joel Solomon on my podcast for the last few weeks, and he is a ex hedge fund manager and he knows this stuff inside and out. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got someone with those credentials, by all means, right? If you understand it to his magnitude, but if you're just average Joe and Jane out here, like us, like me, yeah, get educated, learn how to acquire good debt, Maybe, like I said, maybe that's something we can kind of get into is determining what good versus bad debt is. But it has to be attached to an asset that's being either paid for by your customers, right? It's, it needs to be paid for, if you're owning real estate, it needs to be paid by your tenant. And I don't care if it's a mall. I don't care if it's a shopping center. Mm -hmm. I don't care. It doesn't matter what it is. It's your tenant that's going to be paying for it. Same thing with a business. I used to have e-commerce business. Obviously, as I was making sales, that was paying for my any debt that I had. Right. Mm -hmm. Some months we would be have more positive. Some days, some days it was more of a liability. It just ended, it depended. But at the same time, that's kind of the, the concept is understanding the difference between that being an asset versus a liability. Yeah. Okay. Now I got a challenging question for you. Let's say somebody's listening to this, be like, okay, this is making total sense to me. I want to start doing this, but I don't have and, and we already alluded to the fact that right now is not the best time to get into real estate given the prices. Let's say it was, but those people don't have the capital to put down. 
how can you get it? I mean, can you, I mean, that should be the first question. Can you get into it if you don't have that money too? Greg's probably your man for that question because I know he does. Greg, give me so some money. With, well, with lending, right? <laughs> Greg, that's that's kind of your specialty in my opinion, right? We talk about debt and lending all the time. So yeah, maybe you have some some input on that. Yeah, so I'd say for that question, it would be like educate yourself on all the different avenues that you could invest in real estate. Um, Cause you know, like we're talking about here, maybe right now buying a single family home is not the best investment in this current, you know, economic cycle or market, but you can still invest in other aspects of real estate that are really taking off right now. Or um, like Randy alluded to, you can do some private money lending. Um, I know your question was, if you don't have any money, you can't lend money if you don't have money, yeah. but if you understand how to network and raise money, legally, you know, there's a lot of legal uh, things around that. And like Randy said, I'm not a financial uh, advisor, tax person, anything legally. like that. So um, yeah, because there's there's illegal, illegal ways to do it. And then there's definitely legal ways to do it. Um, <laughs> but if you have a strong network and you, um, like if I went to you guys right now and just said, hey, um, you know, I have this great deal, but I have zero money, mm -hmm. um, you know, could you each pony up 10 grand for me? Mm -hmm. And then I'll give you a, a slice of the deal, whatever those numbers look like. Um, and if you have a strong enough network, you can get two or three guys to say yes, then you're in business. You're not using any of your money. You're using your network, your knowledge, your skills to put yourself in a deal, not using any of your money. And you're obviously getting real money in return, not a hundred percent, but if you get 10% of that deal or 20% of that deal, it's literally zero money out of your pocket and just networking and having those right conversations and legally structuring it properly. Um, so that's what I would say if you have zero money to, yeah, kind of lean on your network and really understand all the different avenues that you can invest in real estate, the pros and cons of each, because there are pros and cons of everyone that we're talking mm -hmm. about, um, and then see what's, what's right for you, for your goal and, and what you want to do. Yeah. And then you said there's pros and cons to everything. Cause the thing that keeps coming to mind here, as you're saying that is like, doesn't it get a little bit messy when there's multiple people owning one piece of property so say for example the three of us bought a house right you want to sell it but i don't want to sell it mm. and so now it's kind of a hot mess right like you've got to at least have some sort of decent relationship with the other people am i wrong no you're definitely right um you definitely have to have a good relationship there's also when you're setting up um again i'm not like a estate planning attorney or anything but when you're setting all this paperwork up you can set up an operating agreement that basically says if two out of the three people want to sell, then we're going to sell. I got you. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can basically, you know, you talk to an estate planning attorney, a lawyer, um, and they can say, these are the common pitfalls. There's three of you. So, you know, maybe we set it up as two thirds votes needed to sell this thing or, or you can sell your share after a certain amount of time. There's a lot of like caveats you can throw in there, but um to your point, definitely trust. You have to trust your partners that you're partnering up with. Um, don't just take their word for it or a handshake. Yeah. Even if, you know, I went into partnership with you guys, it would all be legally binding paperwork. Um, it wouldn't just be legally. a handshake. So it'd be legally binding. That's right. So, yeah, you know, I, trust but verify. Well, I 100% agree with that as well. So I think sometimes, and so one thing that I had to learn on my own was the whole team, right? You need to get a team together whether it's a legal team, you need to get an accountant team, right? You need to get some advisors pulled together and you're going to, that's going to evolve over time. But 
having that set up up front, I spent thousands of thousands of dollars before I made my first investment on making sure that my structure was in place first. I haven't necessarily done any, I know Greg, you have, but I haven't done any deals with others, but I understand the process. So you've got what's called a general partner that's typically in charge of the, and if I'm speaking out of turn, Greg, please correct me, right? But you've got a general partner that's responsible for the deal usually itself, right? So they're, they're going to be the ones create, creating the the documents, creating the, the what's going to happen, right? The deal structure, that kind of thing. And then you've got limited partners, which are basically just the investors and they're coming mm-hmm. along for the ride. So that once again, that those are le- legal structures that get set in place prior to even investing a single nickel into the investment itself. Mm-hmm. So you almost know, I would say within, I don't know how much certainty you'd put on it, Greg. I mean, is it 80%, 90% certainty kind of how the deal will go minus anything that, that was obviously, you know, unforeseen, I would assume. Yeah. No, I mean, every deal, like you said, you know, uh, things can go south, COVID could hit. Um, you know, COVID was a, a good, actually, it was pretty good tailwind that drove up a lot of prices. And so if you had some real estate prior to COVID um, in certain markets, yeah, you made a a lot more money than you probably thought you were going to make. So um, that helped. Obviously, the crash in 08, that hurt. So you never know what's going to happen. But um, just having those solid operators and those solid relationships and having people that can shoot you straight and say, yeah, you know what? We're we're not making rent this month. We need some money. Um, you know, I'd rather have somebody be honest with me and give me bad news than hide that from me. And, you know, three months later, we, we don't have a property anymore. So. And I think you hit the nail on the head with one word right there, Greg, was operators. It's doing the due diligence on the operators, Mm -hmm. property managers. So it's like uh, when you've got your own properties and just making sure that those property managers, which are the operators, can deliver on what they say. I think sometimes folks can get, make it, you know, fancy brochures, fancy this, fancy that, right? Make it look like it's going to be fantastic. But at the end of the day, if they can't deliver on what Mm -hmm. they say, when that asset quickly becomes a liability and then you're in deep trouble. So yeah, yeah it's just Welcome understanding the my world. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but yeah. I kind of knew that was what, what's kind of going on with you, Justin. So, yeah, yeah. If you saw me, like my eyes glaze over as you start thinking about the hot mess that it is, <laughs> but I won't go, I won't go into that right now. I will get canceled for that. Yeah, don't, do that. don't get canceled. Uh, yeah. So what else, what other, so let's, let's pivot. I know we've been talking about some financial education. What, what about the, health system Justin. Let's put Justin on the hot seat. Yeah, let's go, yeah, man. Now we're definitely getting canceled. All right. Yeah. So so here's my here's my beef, right? Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm I'm a lot self-educated, right? But there's so many com- conflicting yeah. do this, don't do this. So I'm I'm almost and I'll just put it out there, I'm almost 50 years old, right? So things are changing for me and for my wife at our age, right? And we're trying to figure out what to do. I've put more pounds on yeah. in the last say 24 36 months than I've ever done in my entire life. And my life hasn't changed a lot. So that tells me my body is changing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to go out there actively and figure out why is that happening, number one, and then what can I do about it, number two. And I get so many back and forths that I don't know which way to go. Yeah. Let's say you, Justin, please share. Help me, man. Yeah, how can I summarize this? <laughs> I mean, that's the whole, that's, you know, that's what drives me is there's so much confusion out there and it really doesn't need to be as confusing as it is. Like what it boils down to is I've had this conversation with Tracy so many times, like a question, is it really just come down to capitalism and everybody just wants to make money? 
right? And so what you've got going on is this broken system, healthcare, the way that we treat everything. And then to add to fuel to the fire, you've got everybody else who wants to make money off of other people's pain, but just giving their opinions, this worked for me, so this will work for you. Mm. Like if it's a big blanket statement like that, I don't trust it anymore. And very concise, like simple answer is like, you're not going to know what works for you unless you try it for yourself. Like I say that all of the time, but that doesn't mean you should run around trying everything. Like a really good filter is if it sounds like a load of crap, it probably is a load of crap <laughs> and you don't need to waste your time on it. Right. But so, I, I mean, it. yeah, the biggest thing that really like fires me up is a lot of the misinformation is presented to us as if it's from the experts. I mean, it is from the experts, the people that we're supposed to trust, you know, the FDA and all of the published research. But if you dive deep into it, you'll almost always find like, I've not come across recently any research articles that does not have conflict of interest. Even when they're not listed, you can dive into it a little bit deeper and find there's conflicts of interest, whether it's big food companies or big pharmaceutical companies that have funded the studies. And you cannot tell me that they just because they didn't, you know, set up the process and set up how the study was run, that the fact that they're giving you money to fund the study doesn't influence what you're going to publish as a result. Like we're just, we're human beings, you know? Right. So now we actually have to like look at the scientific studies and then look at how the scientific study was done, right? Like the back yeah. end of the, like, yeah, as a person who is not in the health world, that's a lot of like, that's a lot of asking, right? Like, yeah. I'm not probably not going to do that. I'd rather just trust somebody like you or, you know, like give me this, give me the, straight info. Well, yeah. But then you need to ask yourself the question, well, what's Justin's hidden agenda? What's his, sure. what's, what's he really doing? But here, I'll give you an example because this fired me up. <clears throat> Just last week, there was um, a research publication that came out that says salt intake causes diabetes. It's been linked. The more salt you eat, the higher the correlation that you will develop type 2 diabetes. And it looks on the surface like this is legitimate because it's like 400,000 people from the UK. That's the sample that they had. But when you dive into it, first of all, it's only a correlation. Second of all, it's self-reported data. <laughs> I could come up with 10 different reasons why people might eat more salt and have a you know higher incidence of type 2 diabetes. And none of those has anything to do with salt causing diabetes, but this is put out there. And then all of these news sources pick up this one little publication and all report the same thing. So now it's just common knowledge that if you eat salt, you will develop type two diabetes. And what really fires me up about this is I, uh, so like I used to do research in undergraduate school in between undergrad and grad school, and then in grad school. And I, keep questioning like why would these people even publish this research like it's a correlation at best it's not actually helping anyone i don't think anybody can really sit down and be like man i really hope we can get people to stop eating so much salt so they stop developing type 2 diabetes because we all know that salt and not sugar is responsible for type 2 diabetes and the only answer i can come up with is because i used to do this myself and see the the professors that i worked with do this is it's easy 
it's easy to take this data that's already compiled and publish an article because that's part of the system. If you're a professor, you're expected to publish a certain number of research articles per year so that you get your salary. And this is easy. It's cherry picking. It's not helping anyone other than just, oh, I could do this in a weekend. Let's publish this. Yeah, that's so, a great example. Yeah, I like that. So what so stop is... eating salt. <laughs> so more salt. More salt, yes. <laughs> more salt. What kind so of are salt? There, How much? Yeah. So are there any, like, it's like when we first started about the financial stuff, right? Assets, liabilities, just basic stuff that I, it's like I said, basic. I probably take for granted because I've been studying and working on it for so long. But is there anything like that in the health, mm -hmm. right? That if folks can really, really hone in on, like I said, I'm almost 50. I know you guys are younger than me, but at the same time, you're, you're, no, I won't even say it. Right behind you. you. You're right behind me. Is there anything you're, <laughs> maybe you're not, I don't know. But my point being, right? Those of us that are, that are actively trying to find the solution that are getting all this conflict out there. Is there any like basic things? So it's like lately, I'll, well, and I, that's one question. Let me ask mm -hmm. one other one real quick. So lately I've been seeing a lot of this uh, going out and getting like uh, gene studies to like oh, find yeah. out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you seeing that as well? I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know if it's because of the rabbit trail I've gone down, whereas it's like you're seeing it everywhere now, mm -hmm. like on my streams and feeds and stuff. Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. So everywhere <laughs> I go, they're, they're trying to sell me some kind of a gene study to find out what I'm missing or what I'm not yeah. missing. Yeah. I'll, so I'm, that, so those couple things, I'll throw it back over to you. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. And again, um, the, obviously there is no such thing as unbiased information anymore everything that i say is going to be biased and based off of everything that i've experienced too when it comes to those gene studies and whatnot i would say like focus on that once you're in like you've reached 95 percent of your goal like that's not going to be a game changer for you there's a very small likelihood that there's some gene in you that is causing all of your all of your problems that sounds terrible but i mean that's that's essentially what it is is it's marketing towards like okay how can we market something to somebody that will seem appealing that takes the responsibility almost off of you right mm -hmm. like so when you were talking about genes i think about this like with my past with drug addiction i've said this before it's like I used to go to therapy and I've come across many people who have come out of addiction too. We all want to know why, why did we become an addict? And yeah, it might be useful to find out that I've got some gene, right? That was handed down from me from my great, great grandfather that predisposed me to becoming an addict. But the fact of the matter is, is like, that doesn't really change anything. I might be able to put the blame off of my actions onto the genes, but I still have to change my behavior. Address it. Yeah. yeah. Because like, just because I got this gene, it's like, how do I turn this gene off? If I just turn this gene off, I'll be fine. Eat more salt. It turns the gene yeah, off. Yeah. Eat more salt. Get type 2 diabetes and I'll be fine. Um, if anybody's tuning in right now, salt yeah, does no, not cause type good. 2 diabetes. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, this is this. And again, this is oversimplified, but I also oversimplify it because I think it really does need to be this simple for most people because there's so much crap out there that confuses us. It's like, do I need to take this supplement? Like that supplement will not replace the big needle movers and the big needle movers. This is what's so funny. 
you already know him because your parents told him to you when you were a kid, right? Like, what did your parents always tell you to do? Like, stop eating the candy, eat your vegetables, eat your meat, right? Like, eat the real food and minimize the processed food, which I don't even have. Like, this is why this is still a term, even though some people out there be like, food's not good or bad. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but everybody knows something will pop into your head the moment I say junk food. Like, what <laughs> popped? Like, you know, it's junk food. And if you eat less junk food and eat more real food, like that is the biggest step. Processed junk food. Yeah. Or just junk food in general. Yeah. I mean, because you say junk food and everybody knows what junk food is. Mm-hmm. And yet we want to demonize, like, oh, you shouldn't say junk food. So Which, when you but say, you know what it is. <laughs> so do you live by the idea of, of elimination 100%? Is mm-hmm. there. I no? don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And I've thought about this a lot recently in the past couple of months. I do think there is a time for elimination. I do think there is a time for taking things to the extreme. Uh, when I lost 43 pounds for close to six to 12 months, somewhere between six to 12 months, I was terrified of junk foods. And so I didn't eat any of them. I was actually for the first three months terrified of carbohydrates because this is before I knew anything. And so I didn't even go near a carbohydrate other than like apples and other pieces of fruit. Um, And then once I lost the weight and my body got used to like it started functioning the way that it was supposed to, I started testing out junk food again and found out that, oh, I was no longer insulin resistant. I don't have, I don't gain a ton of weight when I eat junk food and I don't eat it all of the time, but I don't fear it anymore, if that makes sense. But for a lot of us, myself included in the past, elimination entirely can be a really good experience. It's just like doing 75 hard. What it teaches you about your own self-discipline and your own abilities can be a really important lesson that you can only really learn by doing it. So I'm not opposed to strict diets. What I'm opposed to is thinking that the strict diet is something that you only have to do for a month and then you can go back to the same thing you were doing. Like Mm -hmm. that's just the cycle you're going to stay on if you do that. But if it's a stepping stone to get somewhere else, then I'm all for it. Love it. Anything, Greg? I know that you're kind of the, the health nut as well. So I'm, I, all kinds of questions going on in my mind. You have anything that you want to? No, this is Justin's, you know, like business is, and everything. Yeah, so I'm like just like, case, right? Yeah, I'm just you know, kind of doing this stuff on my own and learning from Justin too. So ask away, Randy. So what's your thoughts on alcohol? Well, of, so I personally don't because I used to be a drug addict. <laughs> so is it, so once again, yeah. So the moderation, is that kind of the way to look at it? Cause I do, I consume alcohol, right? It's yeah. not every day. It's not, I don't drink to get drunk, but I do yeah. consume uh, some uh, bourbon. I enjoy bourbon and I enjoy uh, a beer every now and then. Right. But it's not, once again, it's not every day and it's not yeah. all the time, but at the same time, is that kind of the same, same philosophy or is that one of those things that I should just eliminate as well? If I'm looking to, like you said, the major needle movers. Well, yeah. And so it's just like everything's on a spectrum, right? Like alcohol, I'll tell you straight up, like it certainly ain't going to help you lose weight <laughs> and it ain't going to help you be healthy. But, it tastes so but good, it's one thing to drink it every day and it's a whole nother thing to abstain from it for the rest of your life. And there's all that space in between. So if you're drinking every other day, let's say your progress 
might be slow, slower, hindered as a result of it, but compared to drinking every single day, it's an improvement. Mm -hmm. So it's really, I mean, it all comes down, doesn't it? Like everything comes down to trade-offs. Right. I was going to say it kind of depends on your goal, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're going for the Mr. Universe. You ain't yeah, going to do no, it with alcohol. Yeah. No, no alcohol for that whole time. But if you're just trying to be an average person or above mm -hmm. average, yeah, maybe you have a drink every once in a while. So those are, yeah, like anything, it just kind of depends on your goal and how far you want to jog or then sprint and then go back to jogging and then yep. sprint again. So, yeah. You know. Love it. So one last thing, and you guys tell me how far we want to go with this. Cause like I said, I got all <laughs> kinds of questions we can, we can yeah, fire away. away. But so you recently interviewed, and I don't remember what the gentleman's name is, right? With the carnivore diet. Oh, Sean. Yeah. Sean White. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's awesome. I talk to him all the time. Yeah. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mm -hmm. think that that was almost like, uh, it was like, I, you probably knew about it, but it was more of a, okay, you heard about it. Now I wanted to try to go implement it and see how I it's going. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. I would love to hear more kind of after I've heard your episode. So mm -hmm. once again, folks, the all in mindset podcast with Sean White, that's his name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Search for this episode. This was a great episode. You guys went deep into the how he's doing it, what he's mm -hmm. doing. And then, I, like I said, I think you said you were going to try to implement some of this in your own personal life. So I'm curious because mm -hmm. I don't think we've spoke about it since. Yeah. Like, where are you in that journey for yourself with that? So that's what I was working on before we jumped on here today. It's actually probably going to release on Saturday morning is um, Tracy and I, we did it. And now we're done with it. And these are my big takeaways from it. Um, so I don't want to give everything away, <laughs> you know, like it releases on Saturday, but I'll give you kind of the, well, can I ask the, you, just, can I, can I ask you like to clarify what do you mean? You did it. Meaning it's like you went all in. Yeah. 100%? Meat, eggs and butter. That's it. That's it. For how long? That's 30 days. 30 days. Yeah. And then, so how long, so when did that end? Last week. Last week. Yeah. And so like we were just talking about with the alcohol and the junk food, I mean, so yeah. it's like you sprinted yep. and now you're kind of bringing other things back in. Is that kind of yes. where you're at right now? Okay. Yes. Um, wanted to give it a shot. Um, I went into it completely like, Hey, if this is everything that it could be, it could potentially, do. I mean, anything that I do is like, I could potentially do this for the rest of my life. I didn't go into it with any, um, you know, ideas of I'll never, I'm only going to do it for this long and I'll never do it again. Um, essentially I just wanted to, like I just said earlier, like I wanted to try it out for myself to see what it was like, you know? Um, and honestly it wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, I don't want to give any of it away. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. Yeah, I just, no, I'm you're curious fine. about it. Right. So I have to wait until Saturday till this yeah. episode launches. Well, maybe when we, I'll probably release this portions of it right as episodes for my podcast yeah i'll try to maybe link up this because i assume it'll be a youtube video uh explanation i'll have to try to link that up as well yeah yeah i appreciate that yeah and i mean big picture is like i did it um and i wouldn't uh deter anyone else from trying it there was nothing about it that gave me any red flags or anything like you should not do this um essentially like if you think you might want to try it and you think it sounds like a good idea then go for it um just like with anything moderation yeah just meat meat and eggs and butter <laughs> it got boring real quick though i'll tell you that <laughs> I <bet> it did <laughs> i'm a meat guy i enjoy meat steak you know, my, my lunch was seven pieces of bacon and all that salt 
gave me diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Was there anything else you guys want to cover? I, I appreciate you sharing that, Justin. I can't wait to check out that that uh, episode of your YouTube launch. Is there any other questions that you'd have for to share or anything else pressing going on? How about the All In Mindset podcast? You guys are killing it over there. Yeah. Next week, we start releasing three episodes per week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out on that. That's awesome. Yeah. Is it going to be more interviews, more solos? Because you guys got to do a little bit of both, a little bit of everything. Yeah, no, it's going to be more solos, but shorter episodes. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're trying to condense it down, give people more value and less of me just blabbering. Both of us blabbering. So yeah, I'm in that boat too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we should, maybe next week since my, my, content releases this week and next week we can jump back on you can ask me all your questions about carnivore because there's even well, stuff. I'll watch it right and yeah well and in that video there's stuff that like i don't get super in depth right like i didn't want to create a 40 minute youtube video on everything you could possibly wonder about carnivore so it's kind of like my five biggest takeaways um that really are though they're applicable to any health journey regardless of what you know diet you're following uh, that's kind of how i framed it Nice. You can definitely help me on that. As I mentioned, I'm struggling with it personally myself. I'm kind of searching, trying to find different things. And yeah, I appreciate that. Well, maybe we'll dive in a little bit further. Hopefully we'll jump on, like you said, next week. Should know do that again. Before I forget, let's pop this on. I don't know if this will be the first time I've tried this. Yeah, look at that. Oh yeah, Ralph. He's a good guy. Do you know Ralph? I do know Ralph. Yeah, you were talking earlier about buying buying um different types of properties ralph hit me up i think it was earlier this year he's like i just bought this and he sent me this picture of this like strip mall nice <laughs> in the middle of nowhere i think it was like illinois or something <laughs> he those does live near there those, yeah, yeah those middle yeah, eyes one of those yeah you know it's it's somewhere Indiana, in iowa iowa <laughs> illinois <laughs> Alaska ohio. with an eye you said ohio yeah it's ohio flyover ohio. states because you fly over those in states ohio. to get to somewhere cool yeah. <laughs> sorry randy dude i'm telling you that's I hilarious love i love it. oh yeah randy guys, i gotta connect with you too because um traveling out that way in yeah. like two weeks nice cool yes yeah if you get close and you don't call me i'm gonna be upset yeah we gotta yeah. definitely get that done that's awesome. We'll, we'll connect afterwards for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been fun. Uh, yep. Like I said, when, when we first started, I kind of hit you guys up, said, hey, let's jump on and see if we can't try to add a little bit of value uh, based on our own experiences, our own takeaways, kind of where we are in our journeys. And yeah, this has been this has been a lot of fun. I'm kind of glad we kind of went both directions. Right. And uh, yeah, hopefully those of you that joined us live. Uh, enjoyed it and then obviously if you catch this on replay hopefully you'll enjoy it as well so once again this is a collaboration between the rich mind podcast and the all-in mindset podcast we'd appreciate anything that you could do to help us with reviews Uh, i know greg uh, and i assume this offer is still available if folks were interested in a book uh, as far as taking maybe you can explain that as far as if they they uh, would like a book one of your books as far as for a review maybe you want to go into that real quick yeah, I'm um, actually got the book right here. But yeah, it's the Next Level of Your Life book. Um, so what we're offering or what I'm offering is, um, yeah, listen to our podcast, um, either podcast, honestly, Randy's podcast, our podcast, doesn't matter. Um, leave us a review, you know, an honest review of our, our podcast, either podcast, and um, shoot me an email with a screenshot of that review. 
and um, just email it to me at greg at all-inmindset.com. And I'll uh, sign a book for you. I'll send it out, pay the shipping. It'll just show up at your door. So, um, so yeah, that's the offer. And um, it's got a, you know, a lot of great people in this book, great stories. I wrote one chapter in this book. Randy's familiar with um, the kind of structure and the setup. He's done this before as well. So, um, but yeah, happy to, you know, share the information and spread the love. So um, leave either podcast a review, shoot me an email with a screenshot and the book is yours. And I can do the same thing with my book. I've got it over here as well. The Think Big book. If anybody's interested, um, we can get them a copy of, of my book as well. So once again, either one of our podcasts, let me know. And uh, we'll definitely do that. So yeah, anything you can do to help us with some reviews on the podcast, share it with your family and friends. If you're enjoying what we're talking about, if you have questions, right? If, if some clarity, if you're curious about certain subjects or different ideas, we kind of were high level on a lot of these things today. But at the same time, it's, it's the beginning it's a great place to start to then start having the conversations with different folks to learn how you can change really the trajectory of your, your life, whether it is financially or, or from a physical health standpoint as well. So this has been a lot of fun guys. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's been fun. All right. We'll wrap it up today and uh, we'll look forward. Hopefully we'll be back, have a chance to do it again next week. So check us 4 PM, 3 4 PM. I'll put it out there on the, social interwebs as far as when we'll totally join on but <laughs> so between 33 34 o'clock p.m eastern uh next thursday look for us again and we'll hope you'll be able to join us then so until then guys and gals thanks we'll talk soon all right take care bye now thank you for joining me on the rich mind podcast i hope you found a ton of value in this episode if so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review, and you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. Music.